So tonight, we're going to be getting into a message. The title of this message is called, Getting on Track and Staying There. You know, no matter what we go through in life, many of us can get off track. You could have been a Christian for many years of your life. Maybe some of you are never even known what a relationship with Jesus is. But the true reality is that we have to find the track to get on. And we have to stay there. So the other day I was headed to work, and as I was headed to work, I work at the plant, and there's this train track right in front of the gate. This is what gave me the inspiration for this message. I'm sitting there for about 25 minutes waiting to get in the plant as a train comes by. It's hauling rail car after rail car after rail car after rail car. And the longer it gets, you can start seeing the whole train swaying. So I thought to myself, what is it that keeps the train on the tracks? You know, when we see a train, we really don't think of all the things it takes to keep a train on the track. Well, obviously, it's gravity. You know, it's force. It's the design of wheels. You know, we see this big, heavy object with this big motor driving fast. And we just, you know, it's, it's pretty overwhelming that such a big object remains on two little tracks. But the one thing that keeps all these trains and rail cars on tracks besides gravity is the wheels. The science is in the wheels. They're not just some ordinary round wheel. They have a special bevel on them. And this bevel is what helps guides it, and, and it, it distributes the weight evenly amongst the track. And when it turns corners, it counterbalances the weight. And the one thing that holds these two wheels together is one axle. So both of the wheels at the same time spin at all times. And I got to thinking, you know, what is the axle in our life? And that is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, a personal relationship with him, is the thing that keeps us on track. Next thing is how do we stay there? You know, what do the tracks of life even look like? There's many examples of the tracks of life, whether you're saved or not saved. You know, some people's tracks of life is like I mentioned a minute ago. They've been coming to church their whole life. Everything is good, but they've just become tired. You know, some people have addictions. Some people have hardships, abuse, abusive relationships. You know, some people have grown up their whole entire life with a, this curse, this, this negative curse of, of negativity spoken over them, telling you that you weren't good enough, telling you that you will never amount to nothing, telling you that, that they didn't love you. We don't know what the tracks of life are, but tonight we're going to talk about getting on track. An example of a broken track that I want to talk about tonight is there was this guy I knew. He was about 20-something years old. I mean, he had it all going on. I mean, he, everything in life was going great. He was the king of his own world. He had money. He had homes. He had vehicles. I mean, he had all the world's valuable junk, the things that he thought all life was worth chasing. Don't get me wrong. They're great having comforts of life, but that's not what life's all about. See, little did he know he was going to have a redirection in his life. So one day he's working on this house he owns, and as he's working on this house, he's tearing it all apart, putting a bunch of lumber, a bunch of wood, a bunch of broken junk that he's demoing out of this house and putting it on a trailer. Well, a couple hours later, he gets ready to go dump this trailer. It's full of rubbish, debris, you know. He goes to this house. His family owns this house, and they have a dump pile there. You can dump it there, and the city comes and picks it up. So he starts throwing all the trash in the pile, and there's this rent house, and the lady the whole time is looking out the window at him. He didn't think much of it. 
So he gets in his truck as he gets done unloading. He lights up an illegal cigarette, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it's not brown, but... So he lights it up. He goes around the corner. He's, you know, he's doing his thing. And next thing you know, there's about five cop cars around him. So he's spitting this out, rolling the windows down, stomping it on the ground of his floorboard. The cops pull him out of the car and handcuff him. They handcuff him. They start searching his truck. They find some more of these illegal cigarettes. And he's sitting there the whole time in handcuffs, holding his composure, telling them everything you know they want to hear, being super, super, I guess you could say a car salesman. He was super good at what he was saying. He was holding his composure and everything. But I tell you what, inside he was a mess because what the cops didn't know is hidden in the wallet was probably a felony offense, maybe three to five years. And if he found that, his world would crumble through his hands before he knew it. Well, I'm telling you this story because this story, the man in this story is actually me. This is one of the moments in my life where I cried out to God begging for help. I mean, I knew God, but I didn't know God. Many people in the world know of God, but they don't know God. And it's very important as Christians that we help people know God. I remember many countless nights of laying on the floor. I was a drug addict. I was lost. You know, I mean, I had all kind of crazy stuff going on in my life. And God had a better plan. I started to lose everything in life. I started losing my finances. I started losing relationship with my family. My wife didn't want me. I mean, things were just crazy. And once again, I find myself on the floor crying out to God, begging God for his mercy once again. Like I said, I knew God, but I didn't know God. But God had a plan. Just like many people watching online, God has a plan for you. No matter what you're going through in life, God has a plan. He wants to get you on track and put you where you need to be. So here I am ready to give up. You know, I, I, I become the man that my wife didn't know. I become a man who could never be a father for his daughter. I become a man who was just ready to give up and at one point was ready to end my life. And I'm not saying all this to be negative because there's, there's some buildup to this story. But I remember my wife coming to church and I come here with Pastor Ron one day and I started having my counsel sessions with Pastor Ron. And on my third session, he said, hey, there's nothing I can do, son, until you're ready to make a change. And that's the thing with many people out there watching is that until you're ready to make a change, change is not going to happen. And it's important for you to get back on track, for you to get on track, you have to make a change in your life. Because the only way that true freedom is found is through Jesus Christ. Without him, there is no freedom. We become slaves to the world, slaves to the thing that we think the world values, slaves to ourselves, slaves to try to prove to people who we, really, who we want to be, slaves to the negativity that's in our mind and in our hearts. It's through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that that is free. So I remember leaving the parking lot that day, and that was a pivotal moment in my life because I decided that I was going to change. And the freedom I was looking for was only through submission to Jesus Christ. But what about those who've been coming to church for a long time and they're wanting to get on track, you know, because they've kind of veered off a little bit? You know, what about the Christian's life when freedom is found? 
when changes are made, when addictions are broken? What about the Christians that become, they were so hungry and now they become full? Their life has been restored. The broken has been restored. The captives have been set free. Now that you have this, this thing in life and you're no longer on this broken path, but things are actually coming together, now what? Over time, how we come to church and we serve, and then we can get weary, we can get tired, we can grow tired in our walk. Well, it's important that we stay on track. See, a lot of people start off strong, but a lot of people don't finish strong. You know, it's easy to let the dirty clothes pile up in the house. I'll be real for a minute. <laughs> you know, it's easy sitting at the dining room table and just watching clutter and trash get up. It's easy to let the yard grow up. It's easy to let the flower beds become overgrown. It's easy to let discouragement creep itself in our life. It's easy to let discouragement ride in the car with us. It's easy to come home from work and allow discouragement to be poured over our life to only to bring it home with us. You know, even discouragement can hide itself behind a smile, behind a good morning, behind an amen. But tonight we're going to get to the root of the problem to try to get this discouragement out. When we allow these things to manifest in our life, you know, and we're ready for a change, we want to get the house clean, we want to get things in order, we want to be encouraged, we want to do these things. If we let things go for too long without actually coming to a conclusion that I'm going to not do this, you know, it takes twice the work. It takes twice the effort to cut the grass when you let it go for a couple weeks. When you let 15 hampers of clothes pile up in the, in the laundry room, it, it takes twice as long to clean the clothes. When things are going easy, it's easy to fall off course. We can get lazy, we can get tired, we can get busy, or simply just consume our lives with all the wrong things. It's important that we don't get busy and veer off the track of our spiritual lives. We must stay connected with God at all times because we're living in a world that's lost and dying and going to hell on a daily basis. We're living in a world that just wants to know what love is, wants to know what encouragement is. So us as Christians, we have to stay on track. we got to stay strong. We can't grow tired. It's vital to the ministry of Jesus. If you find yourself in a position today of any of this that we just talked about, let me tell you, there is great news because there is going to be freedom. We're going to talk about three key steps in our lives as Christians, as believers. Maybe you're a non-believer. You know, three things that we can get on track, and it's very important. I want to pray real quick before we start to, to get into more of the message. Father God, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus, Lord. I pray, Father God, that your name be exalted, Lord. I pray, Father God, for any captives that are watching this, that they just be set free, Lord. I pray, Father God, that your anointing and your Holy Spirit just be poured out upon them, Lord, and you just free them, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that you encourage those who have been Christians for so long, been faithful, Lord. And I pray, Father God, that this message tonight just, just stirs their spirit up. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first point tonight we're going to talk about, the first thing you've got to do to stay on track is you've got to be on track. <laughs> you can't stay on track if you don't know what track to get on. Our Bible scripture tonight, we're going to be talking out of Galatians 5. We're going to talk about Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm. Right there we're given a command to stand firm. 
And do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. The truth is, when we're born, we all live for something in life. You know, we all start out committing ourselves to pleasure ourselves. As we grow up, it usually doesn't change much. Our focus can become more dispersed among areas of our life that are important to us, such as relationships, careers, or goals that we set. And the bottom line is that we almost always desire to please our flesh. Now, I'm not saying these things are bad because we need a career. You know, we need to get things that, that we encourage us. We want to have a good time. These things are not bad. But the truth of the story, we were not created to live for ourselves. We were designed by God in his image for his pleasure. Colossians 1.16 says, all things were created through him and for him. The very heart of Christian faith revolves around a change. Christian transformation always involves something old passing away and something new taking its place. It's not just turning over a new leaf of life, but it's living out a new life. Spiritual change is needed by everybody. The poor, the rich, those are who are successful. Those are who are going through, you know, unsuccessful moments, through failures. No matter where we find our place in, in, in any cast of society, anywhere that we walk, we all need a relationship with Jesus. But transforma transformation begins with letting go and grabbing a hold. If you cannot let go of your discouragement, of your worries, of all your past difficulties, and you don't grab hold, you will just be a slave to a cycle of valleys. It's important that we let go of, let go of everything. Because once you're saved and born again, you're a new creation. The old man has passed away. None of that matters. All that was to help build you up for what God has called you to do. So to get on track, you must be saved. There's nothing that you or me or anybody can do to make God love us any more or any less. He accepts you as you are, right now, right here, wherever you're at in life. The first step to being saved is you must recognize you're a sinner. Every single human has sinned and fallen short. None of us are perfect except Jesus. Romans 3.10 and says that there is no one righteous, not even anyone. Verse 23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Next to be saved, that you must recognize that Jesus died on the cross for you. Thirdly, you got to repent from your sins. The things that you are living in, the, these, these things that don't please God, you must repent. Acts 3.19 says, Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And that the times of refreshing may come from the Lord. So right there, the refreshing comes from the Lord. He is the everlasting water that quenches our thirst forever. And fourth, you must receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Romans 10, 9 says, If you declare with your mouth Jesus is the Lord and believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. These are the key steps to getting on track. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, you must have a personal relationship with Jesus to get on track. Then when we give ourselves to God and, and we are restored, he sends us the Holy Spirit. We belong to Jesus and we, our bodies become Jesus' holy temple. He, the Holy Spirit dwells in us and we are God's sanctuary. 
as we submit ourselves daily to him, you must find a place every day to pray, to worship God, have a relationship to God, submit to him. And then this is the first step to getting on track. Because as we grow in our faith and our understanding of how to please God, we first have to have a relationship with God. So next thing to stay on track is we're, we have to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Walking in the power of the Holy Spirit keeps our house in order. It is his power, not ours, that keeps us, you know, our house clean. We can do everything we want out of our own might, but I tell you what, let one person, you know, get, rub you wrong, and I will, we'll see if you fall back to the way you used to be. I know there's sometimes that, that I lash out like I shouldn't, but then I have to repent, I have to say I'm sorry, and I have to get back on track. We're going to be reading uh, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. It's a, kind of a long verse. But verse 16 says, I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other, so that you do not want what you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, then you're not under the law. Verse 19 goes on to say, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish, selfish emotions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I mean, they pretty much say it all. I don't know what else is similar to that. But then it goes on to say, I tell you that these things in advance. As I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then verse 22 goes on to say, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. And against such things are no law. You know, when we retaliate in love, it's pretty amazing how it changes the whole course of the situation. You know, when people lash out and you don't lash out back, it usually makes them get even more angry. <laughs> Verse 24 goes on to say, Now those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, we must also follow the Spirit. We must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. You know, it's easy to get on social media and look at what everybody else has got going on in their life and find yourself envying what other people have. But I'll tell you what, the one thing about social media is it's usually a big facade. Most of the things put on there are just as fake as can be. It looks good on the outside, but once you get there, it's pretty rotten. So the Holy Spirit that was given to us is the same Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. This is the same Holy Spirit that hovered over the waters at creation, holding everything in place. We are given the same Holy Spirit in our lives. And because we have the Holy Spirit living within us, we have a choice that we've never had before. Before Christ, we lived out for our own desires. Now that we have the Spirit living in us, we are able to crucify these things daily. So to walk by the Spirit is to do what? It's to walk in the fruits of the Spirit. Which verse 22 says, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith, gentleness, self-control. What's not of the fruits of the Spirit is we must not become conceited, provoking one another, envying. You know, the list goes on and on. Everything that's opposite of love is what we don't need to do. Everything that's opposite of having joy is what we don't need to do. 
If you're finding yourself in an unpeaceful day, worrying about your situations, you need to pray to God and become peaceful, knowing that God's going to do everything behind the scenes, that God is working everything out for the good of his purpose and his plan for your life. Next thing we do to walk by the Spirit is we walk in the truth of God's Word. To walk in the Spirit is to walk in the Word, living our, our lives obedient to God's Word. Psalm 86.11 says, Teach me your ways, O Lord, that I may live accordingly to your truth. It's so important in our life that we walk out the God of Word. I mean, the, the Word of God. Every situation in life, we need to make sure that it lines up with the Word of God. And then finally, we need to walk in prayer in total dependence upon the Lord. Humility. We need to be humble, and we need to seek the Lord's face. We need to go to the quiet room, the dark room. We need to pray. We need to pray on the way to work. We need to pray during lunch. We need to pray for every difficult situation that we're facing in life because prayer is so important. And then we need to depend on the Lord to answer the prayers that you've seeked out. So Paul shares with us the, exist, the experience victory in our lives. We must recognize the fruits of our life. This is an evaluation step. Everybody needs to evaluate their life and see where you're at spiritually. How does one know if, she's walking, if he or she is walking by the Spirit? Well, what is coming out of their life? An illustration is, is you, if you think of a tree producing fruit. A tree doesn't have to strain to produce fruit. If the tree is healthy, the fruit just comes naturally. That's the same as us who have healthy, you know, spiritual walk with the Lord. These things just come out naturally. You can see the joy in people's life. You can see the love that they have for others. You can see them, eh, no matter what they face, they have peace in their life. When people bite into an apple, they're not expecting to bite into an orange. When people squeeze an orange, they're not expecting apple juice. When we, us as Christians, when we are squeezed by the world, when the constraints of the world try to come against us, the only thing that should come out is the love of Jesus, to have peace in our life. The fruits of the Spirit is what should come out of a Christian. We as Christians are supposed to be producing fruit worthy of the picking to give to others. Because when you're going through a difficult moment in life, let me tell you, if people know you go to church and you're a Christian, they are watching every action you do. They are watching the words out of your mouth. They are watching the way that you handle situations. And when you can overcome a situation different than, than, than the world does, they want to know what it is you have. Because you are producing fruit that's worthy of the picking. And you are able to actually plant seeds in their life. So daily we should ask ourselves, do I produce fruit worthy to give others? Do I walk in truth of the Word of God? Do I spend time in prayer and devotion to God? Like Pastor Ron says, the first thing he does every morning he wakes up is he grabs his Bible. may not be the first thing you do, but you need to plan devotion in your life. Because devotion is important. Then, when you look at your life, what list better describes you? The way of the flesh or the way of the spirit. And these are not to condemn anybody, but they are to examine their life to make sure that they are staying on track. We need to make sure that we stay on track. Keep our house in order. Ephesians 4.1 says, lead a life worthy of our calling. Every one of us has a calling in life. For each and every one has been called by God. Even you watching online, if you feel like you have, you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, let me tell you that you were called by God. 
You were called to be set free. You were called for a purpose. And that purpose is restoration. Next, that purpose is to minister to others and to just spread the gospel of the good news. So first, to stay on track is you got to be on track. Next, you got to keep your house in order and stay walking with the Holy Spirit. Our third and final topic is don't grow weary in doing good. Once you've been walking on the track, once you have a relationship with Jesus and you keep trying to live good in a fallen world, don't give up. Don't stop doing good. Don't stop ministering to people. Don't stop witnessing to people. Don't give up. The Apostle Paul testifies in 2 Corinthians. He says that he was fighting without. He had nothing. He was fighting without things. And he had fear within. Becoming spiritually and emotionally drained was enough of a temptation in his day that he wrote this twice. He wrote it in Galatians 6, 9, and he wrote it in 2 Thessalonians 3, 13. The verse we're going to talk about tonight is Galatians 6, 9. It says, so we must not get tired of doing good, for we will reap in the proper time if you don't give up. Therefore, as we have an opportunity, we must work for the good of all, especially those who belong to the household of the faith. We're given a charge, another charge. Don't give up. Stand firm and don't give up. That is what we need to do as Christians. Stand firm in our faith and don't give up. Don't grow tired. Don't grow weary. Because in due time, everything that you've been asking for, everything that you've been planning, in due time, you will reap what you have been asking. The thing about getting tired and weariness, it starts as a seed. And if it, we cultivate it, it'll grow into a desire to give up. It's like the desire of saying, hey, you know, I, I'm pretty tired. I've worked all day. I don't want to come to church. I think I'm going to skip this week. And then next thing you know, you skip another week. And then you skip a Sunday. And then next thing you know, uh, you, you, know you start, you, you kind of fall off track reading your daily devotion. You start falling off track. And next thing you know, you're like, well, how did this even happen? You know, it just happens step by step. If you let tiredness and weariness creep into your life, it'll eventually lead you to give up if you cultivate those thoughts. And weariness can be contagious to others. So if we don't fight back and stand firm in our life, it can be contagious to others. And it's important because we will preserve others by not giving up, by not going tired, by just keep walking this thing out, keep getting next to Jesus, keep pushing forward. Because those behind you, they see that, man, he's staying encouraged. How's he doing that? And then when people start getting tired, you're able to encourage them, you're able to inspire them. And that is what we are called to do. When we are doing good, we're building up the kingdom, we're doing missions, we're feeding people. So we cannot grow tired and weary of doing good because that is the kingdom work. 1 Thessalonians 5.14 says, Brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, encourage those who are timid, and take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. I know that can be difficult, but let me tell you, love is patient. <laughs> As Christians, we're to do more than just believe in the gospel. We're to live out the gospel of love and reconciliation. As a Christian, we're called to do good. And to do good is anything that builds up and feathers the mission of Jesus Christ. The thing is that the majority of doing good, it doesn't always happen in the limelight. You know? It's not always celebrated by others. 
But let me tell you, God knows what you're doing. Don't give up. Because you have a heavenly reward that you were preparing, then he's preparing in heaven. The results of doing good takes time to cultivate. And it's usually a slow cultivation. You know, this involves planting a seed, watering a seed, and waiting. And one thing about waiting is this usually forces us to trust God. It draws us near God, and it forces us to trust God. You know, there's so many needs, so many calls of our time and energy. I want to give you three quick ways that, you know, that we can, we can help keep ourselves from growing tired. Isaiah 40, 29 says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. The first thing we got to do is we got to find a quiet time. We have to find a place for prayer. Matthew 6, 6 says, But you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees you, sees what is done, in secret will reward you. We must find quiet time. Get the distractions of the world out of your life. Next, we have to refocus. You know, if we find ourselves getting tired, we got to refocus. Turn to Him. Life can cloud our vision. God can be pushed back to our priorities. But Proverbs 3, 6, in everything you do, put God first. Everything you do, put God first. When you wake up in the morning, thank God I woke up. Thank God my kids are healthy. Thank God I have a home. Thank God for my, my country. No matter what it looks like on the outside, just thank God because we are living in a great nation. Next, not to grow tired, is don't allow negativity in. Negativity can be a joy robber. It can rob you of all your joy. Negativity can make you grow tired, disgruntled, want to give up. You get agitated, you get irritated. I don't want to be around nobody. I don't want to minister to nobody because people get on my nerves. That's negativity. Imagine if Jesus said, you get on my nerves. But he didn't. He was a spotless lamb that gave up his life for us to have a way out. Nowhere did he ever find a place of negativity for those who are lost, those who are unsaved, those who needed help. He was never negative with them. Even on the cross, he was still up there being positive, still ministering to those prisoners, you know. It's very important. Don't allow negativity in. Negative thinking will wear you out. Negative thinking bears bad fruit in your life. Negative thoughts, you know, eventually you'll just become a negative person because the mouth speaks what the heart is filled with. So don't be negative. Just know that God will provide for each of our needs. He oversees it all. You know, and a lot of times when you feel like you're tired, I just feel like maybe the Lord wants you just to stand before him. Maybe he's trying to make you tired to draw away, you know, just like Jesus did. We see many times Jesus drawing away, getting close to his father. And maybe that's what he's doing in your life. When you feel tired, you know, maybe you just need to step back, take a breather, and get close to God. In closing, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23 through 24, If anyone wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross daily and follow me. Giving up your own way is, you know, giving into a relationship with him. Give up on your own way. It's not about you. It's about the Lord and about your relationship with the Lord and about furthering the gospel. You know, taking up your cross. It's walking in the Holy Spirit, walking in the fruits of the Spirit. Take up your cross, crucify your flesh. Don't let the ways of the world try to creep in, distract you, and throw you off course. And to follow me is not to grow tired, not to grow weary in doing good, is to follow Jesus.
We must, put, we must not put our trust in ourselves. Proverbs 3, 5, 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all our hearts and don't lean on our own understanding. You know, often the path God wants for us leads in a completely different direction than we would ever think. There's two choices. There's a choice between the broad way and the narrow way. Jesus knows the purpose for which he created every one of you. Discovering that purpose is the real secret to having a life filled of happiness. Is discovering your purpose that Jesus has for you. Following Jesus is the only way we'll ever find true happiness. Once we find it, stay on track. Walk in his power and don't grow tired of doing good. I want to leave with three takeaways. Number one is if you're, you're not on track, you need to get on track. If you're watching online, if you're not on track and you find yourself in a bad situation in life, if you're not on track, the first step to getting on track is to get on track. <laughs> it's to give yourself up and to give it all over to God. It's to turn over a new leaf of life and to live a new life. Recognize that you are a sinner. Recognize that you need a Savior and commit your heart to Jesus. Second takeaway is once your house is in order, keep it in order. It's a lot easier to keep it in order when it's in order. You can't do this on your own. You must walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to pray. You need to read your Bibles. You need to encourage people and just stay living a life submitted to the Lord. And third is don't grow tired of doing good. You know, we're all called to do things that build up and further the kingdom of Jesus Christ. You know, we may not receive public recognition, but the Lord knows everything. And in due time, you will be recognized. You know, it was what David did in the field when nobody was watching that had a public promotion to make him king. I want to give an opportunity. If you've never been saved, if you've never uh, asked Jesus to come into your life, you know, if you died today and you didn't know if you were going to heaven and hell, I want to give you an opportunity. I want to give you an opportunity to, to allow Jesus to come in your life and transform your life. If we can bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner. And I'm ready for a change. I believe that you've died for my sins and was rose from the dead. Lord, I repent for my sins. And I invite you to come into my life. Lord, I want to trust you and follow you as my personal Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's the first time you've ever said that prayer and allowed Jesus to come in your life, you know, that's the first step. The next step is you got to stay in this thing wholehearted. You need to start reading the Word of God. You need to get close to God. You need to live this thing out. Once you're on track, you got to stay on track. Keep your house in order and keep walking in the Holy Spirit. And don't ever grow tired of doing good because in due time, you will reap the harvest.